This is the FM Gold Channel of All India Radio. In the program News Analysis, now we bring you a discussion on significance of Model Code of Conduct. The participants are Professor Subrato Mukherjee, Political Analyst, and S. Rangabhashyam, Journalist. Professor Mukherjee, for the benefit of listeners, I want to know what exactly is the Model Code of Conduct? Ranga, liberal democracy has certain foundational concepts. And the most important is that in the mass democracies of today, the representative democracy, if in direct democracy is practically impossible, there are to be institutions by which the voter confidence is enhanced and then it becomes legitimate. So if you really look to the context of free and fair election, the most important point in a multi-party democracy is to say that each candidate gets uh, some kind of a rough parity and on the basis of that, free and fair election is conducted. Apart from that, there is a larger question of a balance. In any kind of a structure, the people who are holding power normally get certain advantages, whereas the people who are without power lose it out. So, in the context of Indian democracy, the Election Commission evolved this code of conduct in the context of evenness, a balance between the opposition and the treasury benches, whosoever it may be, whether it is centre or the state, to see that what we call the festival of democracy really is a festival. And in the context of that, I think the code of conduct plays a very important role in the context of channeling the democratic behavior in a proper manner and putting the limits to each candidate, each political party, that beyond a point you cannot go, indecency is not permitted, excesses are not permitted, and a very important point is caste community, all these things are to be scrupulously avoided. So in a way, it is a model as you all know Ranga, and in the context of that, it has evolved over a period of time, which the compliance rate is quite high. Professor Mukherjee, what would you say as far as referring to the personal life of a person is concerned? Many a time we know that ethically it's probably not correct or morally not correct, but people and candidates do criticize and when they criticize, they simply just not criticize the policies or the proposed policies of that particular party or that particular person, but they go beyond and maybe at times criticize their personal life. That's actually not allowed, isn't it? Essence of liberal democracy rests on a public-private divide. And if you really look to, that is to be scrupulously observed. As you say, there are aberrations. And people do violate the line that the violation does not mean that it is acceptable or desirable. So the entire thrust of uh, the election commission is that policies are to be debated, alternatives are to be found out, and the wide diversity that is there in any kind of a liberal democracy is to be accommodated through which the decision-making is channelized and ultimately a functional democracy is created. So in the context of that, the centrality of election and the fairness of it and its conduct in a country like ours, which is a subcontinental size, and it's very large and uneven, the Election Commission tries to see that every single voter is assured, first, that he or she can exercise his vote freely, and second, it is conducted fairly. So it is this balancing that is the Election Commission tries through this code of conduct, and that's how it is quite significant. 
Professor Mukherjee, I want to draw your attention to the fact that way back in the 80s and even early 90s a decade, elections were very, very different, especially 80s and pre-80s. And the entire country knows the name of Mr. Session, the election commissioner. And probably he brought about a lot of change. And now people know that, okay, there is this organization which looks after elections. And the way elections were fought then and now, there's a huge sea of difference, isn't it? Ranga, one major contribution of his was the voter's identity card and second is staggering the election. These are the two important achievements of his. But I like to point out that these changes would have come either way. What really changes society is technology. And now, if you really look to the evolution of a democracy, for instance, even the electronic voting machine is a recent innovation. And uh, like that, if you really look to the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, in all the decades, there had been incremental change from one phase to another and developing on the basis of past mistakes, inadequacies, and in the context of that, the development has been quite admirable. One thing you will agree, that the election process of India has been really admired throughout the world and many of the other developing countries look to our election commission as a model and it plays a great deal of advisory role in many other countries. So in that context, I think the most important point to realize is that as society changes from one step to another, so does technology and the incorporation of technology leads to a better and fairer election process. As far as defacement of wall is concerned, two, three decades back, we used to see whenever elections used to take place, the entire walls of the city would be full of writings, messages, and also posters, banners. Now that is a thing of the past. It looks more civilized now, elections. Well, you are talking of the first, the pre-TV period. Mind you that one AIR and then one Durdarshan, that's the period you are mentioning. And at that time, we also heard stories of booth capturing and things like that, and impersonation in voting and all that, they have been drastically reduced over a period of time. And again here, technology plays a very important role. If you really look to this uh, wall writing, it continues in some states even today, and there are fights over capturing the proper space of the wall, and the house owner really does not know who has done the needful, but then he is quite powerless and helpless. But otherwise, I think the maturity of the voter is also an important point. That if you really look to the upset in elections, mm -hmm. is becoming quite a regular pattern in India. Because the power of the voter through the ballot box, I think it's a very important point. That the average Indian voter really knows that rights are not given, rights are earned. And they scrupulously maintain this right. And if you really look to the CSDA studies, any number of them, it's the poorer who take to voting much more seriously than the rich. So that is reflected even in Delhi, that richer uh, areas of Delhi, vote much less than the poorer areas. And all these are important indicators of how an average person takes to voting very seriously. And it is the purpose of the election commission to see that the right to franchise is being used uh, freely. And that's how the code of conduct and then the uh, entire rules of do's and don'ts comes out of it.
To talk about references to religion or caste or community is totally prohibited uh, in the model code of conduct. Despite that, many parties try to make some indirect reference to communities or to religion and try and get an advantage. Do you think election commission can play a big role and somehow come down heavily on such people? And party? Ranga, I think if you really look to the huge constituencies that we have, the number of candidates that are there, now minor aberrations, I think the election commission is forced to overlook. But I think the major ones are taken note of. And here again, I think the frontier technology that has come to India really helps. Some chief minister makes some remarks somewhere. Immediately the election commission knows what was said and what was desirable and what was undesirable. Similarly, it is true of the central ministers and even the opposition leaders all taken together. So, if you really look to the voters, know what is the limit of politics. That's again a very important point, I think, that the election commission over the period of time has inculcated a sense of urgency in the voter to really differentiate between the trivial and the substantive. And in the context of that, if you really look to, the voters vote quite wisely and they differentiate all that. And I think that stage is practically over, that if you really surpass the brief, you will get a dividend. It is always a diminishing return. Let's talk about some of the recent uh, incidents which happened, which was there uh, reported in the media as well. The UP chief minister probably made references to the armed forces. The election commission did not take it kindly and has been very critical of it. Such kind of references create unnecessary, avoidable controversy, isn't it? Well, Ranga, the important uh, thing that you have mentioned is that one senior member of the party itself, who happened to be the chief of the army staff, really protested at it. So those things are not accepted even by the major political parties. But individuals do create certain amount of discomfort to the party. But again, I don't think they really matter. Let's talk about uh, this particular issue of uh, the Niti Aayog, where uh, Mr. Rajiv Kumar mentioned about one of the schemes of the Congress party. And this has been taken very critically by the election commission and they have censured uh, the person. Don't you think that's a substantial kind of a move which has been made? I think it's and a very welcome move. It's a very clear move. signal to all the parties and people. It's a very welcome move and uh, Mr. Rajiv Kumar should have avoided it. Similarly, another governor also exceeded his brief and then the election commission took immediate step. I would like to also add the president acted quite quickly. But as far as the options are concerned, what kind of options does the election commission of India have? Because I don't recall seeing or reading any particular news where it went ahead and actually banned a particular candidate or a party for, for doing things which are not compatible with the model code of conduct. Well, Ranga, the purpose of model code of conduct is not to penalize. It's not a part of the criminal law. It's a code of conduct. It's an accepted code of behavior. It's an attempt to build a convention. That means it's not binding. It cannot be binding because I think then the legal cases will be in thousands. If you look to the effect of it, there is an indirect and direct effect of it. By and now, what you are talking about, and I am replying, is that bulk of the candidates are observing the norm. What we are mentioning are the aberrations. So aberrations prove the effectiveness of the code, and in that way, I think the code works quite all right. 
about the duration before the actual polling happens now that has been increased to 48 hours from the close of poll timing what is it targeted at to give some time for the voter to ponder and think about who is the best candidate and to vote so that there is no clutter of parties and candidates well ranga introspection of the voters and also the fact that there are certain important stipulations that the political parties cannot provide transport though it is very difficult to implement because clandestinely it is done quite widely but the fact is that then near the booth you cannot really campaign and also the voter slip that you give there it is to be neutral so mm-hmm. all these are important indicators that the election commission wants to maintain a proper structure of free and fair election apart from that staggering of the election that is sessions contribution and also the fact that the cctvs are now used widely apart from that mobile phones and all that has created a situation where aberrations are becoming really rarer and rarer and i think as the technology progresses further and people take to democracy much more seriously with a large number of educated people and the democratic advantage you see the younger people have become very aware they really act locally and think globally so all these things will really not work democracy till now has won in india and i think ultimately it will be the winner You spoke about staggering of elections it's basically targeted at giving time for the security forces to move from one state to another and cover the entire country yes that's the purpose and in some of the states so the election commission things is more difficult mm-hmm. where it is staggered some uh, history of violence for instance west bengal which is not exactly a very large state but there it has been staggered quite widely uttar pradesh is again another example but tamil nadu it's a one day poll so mm-hmm. the unevenness of india comes also in the staggering of the election and there i think again i like to point out south is more peaceful because the human development indices are higher but despite all the measures taken by the election commission of india we are reading reports in newspapers and viewing channels that uh, seizure of cash alcohol and other precious metals everything has gone up in recent times and the latest report says that more than 1200 crore rupees have been seized so political parties and candidates are at it isn't it well ranga bad news is the news good news is never the news <laughs> if you really look to the percentage of that that really does not sway the voter you just look to a million voters in a constituency even if you really want to reach each voter to a postcard the cost that will come so these are the peripheral incidents and i don't think they affect the mainstream mainstream in regions quite strong and clear professor mukherjee thank you so much for joining us thank you you were listening to a discussion on significance of model code of conduct the participants were professor subroto mukherjee political analyst and s rangabhashyam journalist this program was produced and presented by the news services division of all india radio this program is also available on our website newsonair.nic.in you may email your opinion about this program at airnsdtalks@gmail.com